Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Byron Howell, and this is the Byron Howell Ministries podcast. I hope you've caught some of our recent uh, episodes or teachings. We've been discussing many, many fascinating things. And truly, you know, what we're trying to do is is learn how to step into all that God wants for our life, all that God has for our lives, all that Jesus has, Jesus died to give us. You know, there is so much out there for us, so many wonderful possibilities, such an awesome plan that God has for our lives. And I hope that, uh, you know, obviously it's the greatest goal of my life to find all that God has for me. And I pray that, that I can help you find all that God has for you. And I pray that these, these teachings are a blessing to you. And honestly, you know, I think, I think what we discussed last week is, is significant. It's a fascinating truth. The fact that so much of what God has for us, all of his blessings, all of his promises, they are essentially available on demand. That if we will learn the systems God has put in place and we will operate them in faith, that we can uh, absolutely see all of God's promises manifested in our life. So today, you know, we're really going to continue on that subject. Uh, we're, we're certainly, it's certainly going to be a little different today. We're going to we're kind of talk about some different sides of faith today, some different sides of you know receiving what God wants us to have in our lives. But uh, let me just say. You know, Christians should be dominating the world around them. And it's just that simple. You know, I realize that that may be different from, from what you heard most of your life, but it's still the truth. You see, when God created man, he gave man dominion over the earth. Man was to be the ruler of the earth and also the ruler of this period of time. But when man fell, the entire earth became subject to the curse and the devil became the ruler over this period of time. See Genesis chapters 1 through 3 and 2 Corinthians 4, 4, which we've talked about at length. It says God's, excuse me, it says the devil is the ruler of this era, this eon, this period of time. And you know, after God raised Jesus from the dead, all authority in heaven and on earth was given to Jesus and we are now in union with Christ and we share in his authority we have our authority back and we can dominate. But unfortunately, the devil is still the ruler of this period of time. The devil has a kingdom of darkness and the devil is influencing many people in the world. And the earth is still subjected to the curse of sin and death. And look, it'd be nice if the devil and sin weren't around anymore, but but they are. And and remember, I might mention this again, but there's just these these competing realms. There's these competing kingdoms, these competing dominions. And while all authority in heaven and on earth fundamentally belongs to Jesus and we are in Christ, the devil is still the ruler over this period of time. You see, we as the church of Jesus Christ have stepped into Jesus' authority over all of the power or ability of Satan. If we are baptized with the Holy Spirit, then furthermore, we have been endued with God's miracle working power. So in short, we have the authority and power of Jesus to operate in this world as Jesus operated during his earthly ministry. And you need to start seeing yourself like that. Say it with me. I have the same authority and power as Jesus during his earthly ministry, so I can similarly operate in the world around me. Now look, if you really believe that, what would you do differently? If you really believe that you had 
the authority and power of Jesus to operate in the world today, you would begin using that authority and power to change things. You would use them to help people. You would use them to cast out demons, to heal the sick, to work miracles for the glory of God, and to generally expand the kingdom of God in the world around you. My friends, we should all be living that way. And I freely admit, I've not been living that way, but that's changing. And I'm committed to operating in the authority and power of Jesus Christ, which is available to me through my union with Jesus and the baptism in the Holy Spirit. This is God's plan for my life. It's also God's plan for your life. And I'm committed to operating this way, to living this way. I hope you will make the same commitment. And I no longer see myself as just, you know, just some random Christian doing his best and trying to get by, doing a little good here, here and there. You know, that's kind of the, maybe a common mentality. No, I see myself the way God sees me, the way the Bible teaches me to see myself as a child of God, the righteousness of God, united with Christ, endued with the power of God. This is how we should all see ourselves once we become a Christian, receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And if you haven't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, feel free to call, uh, feel free to email, feel free to get with me. We'll pray. You'll receive it. No problem. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I put a teaching out that was a recording from Grace Family Church's Prayer and Healing School. And I highly encourage you to listen to that because that's really going to help you in this area. But look, in fact, all of us who are Christians and baptized in the Holy Spirit are united with Christ. We have his authority to use in the earth and we are endued with the miracle working power of God to use on behalf of the kingdom of God. That's been true for me for 30 years or so since I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit as a child. And all that's also been true for many people for many years. So why don't we all see all of our similarly situated brothers and sisters going around dominating the world for Jesus? You know, part of the answer is that the church leaders largely haven't taught us that this is how we should be living. There are many church leaders who do teach these truths now, and I've obtained this understanding largely through Andrew Womack, Bill Winston, Curry Blake, and Creflo Dollar. But there are many others correctly teaching Christians about our true place in reality and our true assignments in this fallen world. Thank you, God. I mean, just remember... Jesus said, you know, I give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Right? He said, you know, you are the church on this rock, on the rock that is the revelation that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. On that rock, Jesus has built his church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You know, that is our mandate to go out as the church of Jesus Christ with his authority and power and to fight against the gates of hell, to fight against the kingdom of darkness. And we should be winning and dominating everywhere we go. Yes, there, we will suffer persecution. Yes, the world has fallen. Yes, there will be difficulties and attacks. But we can win every time. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord helps us overcome all of them. You know, there there is persecution, there are demons, there are all sorts of terrible things. But we have been given authority over all the ability of the enemy. And, and so there is nothing that can stand against the kingdom of God. There's nothing that can stand against us. And we should be living with this mindset, you know. Understanding the authority and power 
we have in seeing ourselves correctly is vital to begin living as God's children in the earth, as the ambassadors for Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God. And we must also understand how to use this authority and power. Many Christians, myself included, have not understood how to see this authority and power influence their lives and the world around them. At the beginning of my wife's healing journey, when God supernaturally brought us Andrew Womack's teachings, we were stunned to learn about the importance of using our authority over sickness. You have to curse the cancer. You have to curse the tumor. You have to rebuke the sickness. God is not going to do it for you. And that's just an example of where we must use our authority to see the supernatural results available to Christians. In fact, we should be going through life praying without ceasing. We shouldn't be going through life, you know, begging God to do all sorts of things. He's He's already empowered and authorized us to do. We should be going through life praying correctly, you know, making correct requests in the name of Jesus and using our authority and power also in the name of Jesus to see God's will come to pass in the earth. I mean, yes, pray without ceasing, but pray correctly, right? Use the authority and power in the name of Jesus. Make requests in the name of Jesus. It's not just going around lamenting all the negative situations in the earth. No, it's going around and praying the prayer of faith and authority and power everywhere you look. And there's a, a wonderful teaching. It's free on his website. This is Andrew Womack's teaching called A Better Way to Pray. I'm sure you could find it on YouTube as well. It's wonderful. It's amazing. God has already done Many, many things for us. He's already released many, many things to us. There's all sorts of ways that we should be thinking and operating that run contrary to the woe is me, God, please help, you know, kind of mindset that we grew up learning about. And no, we need to change the way we pray to acknowledge every good thing that's in us in Christ and acknowledge this authority and power that's been given to us. You see, we should be seeing God's will come to pass in the earth in every area of our lives. You know, you encounter a sick person, you pray for them. Someone or some situation to be appears to be influencing, excuse me, someone or some situation appears to be experiencing the influence of a demonic spirit or they appear to be under a demonic attack, you rebuke that demon. You cast it out in Jesus' name. You need something in your life, you ask God in faith in the name of Jesus, believing you receive. By and large, our lives should be lived with a constant mindset of our connection to God and the authority and power we have in Christ. Yes, it's true. Today I'll be looking at a number of real estate issues and contracts and thing and at times I won't be thinking about God, you know, I'm talking about my daily life and my personal business. But if any difficulty arises, if any complication comes up, if there's any extraordinary situation, if there's any spiritual situation, if somebody I'm dealing with uh, reveals to me that there's some situation going on in their life, I'm ready to pray and use my faith to get God's perfect will for that situation. Uh, you know, in, in fact, and I'm making myself a note, uh, you know, somebody in a work situation kind of approached me the other day. And, uh, you know, they've just, they've got something going on. I don't know what it is yet. I need to reach out to them. But there's no question that God wants me to talk to this person about something that's, that's not business related. I need to do my part. So my, 
yes, I, we have a daily life. We have a job. We have needs and things we have to take care of around the house. But I live with a constant mindset of my union with Christ, my relationship with God, the authority and power that I have. And, and I'm ready to exercise those things at a moment's notice in every area of my life to see God's will in every area of my life. You know, this is the way that I've honestly lived for some time. And, and I'm not saying that, it, you know, that I'm perfect by any means or that we're never attacked or we never go through hard times or we never have any difficulties. No, you know, there are attacks. There are struggles. You know, there are things that we need to do uh, differently here and there. But I'm saying, you know, this mindset of going straight to God first, going straight to prayer first, thinking authority and power in the name of Jesus first, uh, you know, we, we're working on that and we're developing it. And I know we're on the right track. You know, as Andrew Womax likes to say, you know, we haven't arrived, but we've left. You know, we're on our way. And I know God wants us to use the authority and power we have in Christ to dominate every aspect of our lives in the world around us for his glory and to help others come to know him. That's just how we should all be living. And I realize I've already made a number of very heavy statements today, and I could have cited, you know, dozens of verses to back all this up, but let's kind of keep going. And, you know, the biblical support, the scriptural underpinning of everything I've been saying here, well, if you've been listening to this podcast, you've got it all. It's all there. You know, this is kind of the picture we've been painting for months now. And some of you who read or hear this will know what I'm talking about. We've, we've gone through all these things in detail. You know, God wants you to be the light of the world and to show his love and power in this lost and dying world around us because he loves everybody and wants them all to see it, wants them all to experience it, wants them all to get saved, wants them all to get healed, wants them all to get prosper. I mean, that's who he is, right? He's God. He's love. He has these things for everybody. But, I'm going to assume going forward today in this teaching that you generally agree with me and you want to start dominating the world around you for the kingdom of God using the authority and power you have in Christ. I know there are some of you out there and I think that's wonderful. That's awesome. Let's go. You know, last week we talked about how God's blessings are available on demand. God's word promises many positive things for our life. God is not in heaven deciding who gets them and who doesn't. You know, a lot of people believe that. Not true. How Rather, they've been given to us all. All the promises are given to us all. All the blessings are given to us all. But if you don't flip the switch, you don't get power. If you don't fo- open the faucet, you don't get water. If you don't use your faith in the kingdom of God's systems to receive God's promises, you won't see them in your life. And I'm sorry, but it's just that simple. You know, as a quick example, just to reiterate that point, to see God's financial blessings in your life, then you need to give in faith. That's how the kingdom of God's economic system works. You give and receive. You sow and you reap. If you don't give, you don't receive. If you don't sow, you don't reap. Look, God still loves you. You're still going to heaven. You may, in fact, be very successful in your business. I know a number of very rich people that don't think about these things at all in my in my work life. I know them. But, you know, they're not participating in the kingdom of God's economic system. And and while they may be blessed, right, they are missing out on the supernatural in their business. And I'm sorry, I, I was using blessed not in a spiritual sense there. Look, they might be rich, right? Let's just call it what it is, right? They might be very rich. They might be filthy rich. They might be stinking, crazy, rich, you know, never even think about money. 
but they don't have the supernatural, they don't have the kingdom of God involved with their business. And when that's the case, I don't care how rich you are, you are subject to all the risk present in this age's economic system because the devil is the god of this period of time. Fundamentally, the devil rules the world's financial system, which is competing essentially with the kingdom of God's economic system. And if you're not bringing your finances into the kingdom of God's economic system, then you're missing out and you're still functioning in the world's economic system. God still loves you. You're still saved. It's just the way it is. You need to learn about God's economic principles from the Bible and then do them in faith. You give having faith to receive. You sow standing in faith through your harvest. You don't get, don't get religious on me. Oh, Byron, I just want to give and be a blessing. I don't care about anything in return. Yeah, no, look, I get it. There's a place for that. Right. When you give money to the homeless person or you give money to the orphanage or whatever, you just give without thinking because you're loving and you're a blessing and you're you're blessed to be a blessing and all that. Yes. O- agreed. However, but giving to the poor or helping people out with ex- without expectation of return is a different principle from operating in the kingdom of God's economic system deliberately and with purpose. That's what God wants you to do. Yes, he wants you to give. He wants you to love. He wants you to be a blessing. But he also wants you to deliberately and purposefully operate in his economic system of giving and receiving a sowing and reaping. Why? Because he wants you to go to the top, to go to the heights. He wants you to dominate. He wants you to reach the highest levels of the economic systems so that you can do the most for the kingdom, so that you can bring the gospel to the world, so that you can do everything he wants you to do with your life, so that you can bring glory to him. Right. This is why we need to get into his economic system. You will never achieve on your own what you could achieve with God. And I don't care how rich you are. Do more. Give more. Bless more. uh, Work more for the kingdom of God. Right. This is why we need to get into his economic system. But it doesn't happen automatically. And it only happens when you step into the word of God, learn what it says and begin operating that system in faith. Look, I'm digressing. And I don't mean to belabor the points on biblical economics, but that same rationale applies to most other areas in your life. To get God's promises into your physical life, you need to operate God's systems in faith. It's not about asking God to release them to you. They are already given. They are already your inheritance. You need to take them by faith. So now let's keep going. Let's step into the next level of discussion on these subjects. And again, you should be dominating your life and the world around you for the kingdom of God using the authority and power you have in Jesus Christ. You know, I recently saw the movie Dune and I would like to discuss it briefly and use it to illustrate our next few points. I've also read the book. Look, I've read a lot of secular books. I was an English major. It is what it is, right? But in case you haven't uh, seen Dune or read the very famous book, on which it is based. Essentially, it is a science fiction story about a boy in the desert whose father is killed and he ultimately becomes kind of the leader and messiah for this desert people. Uh, together, the boy and the desert people ultimately wage a war against the unjust governmental systems in their universe. It's filled with all sorts of religious symbolism from several religions, I'm sure, but it is not Christian. I'm not saying I necessarily recommend it. I'm just giving you the basics of that story because there are some really interesting aspects in the story that are going to help us uh, kind of understand some stuff today. So look, so 
so remember, it's a, about a you know in the same way you know you have you have Jesus and his mother in Dune. You have the boy who becomes the Messiah and his mother. They're out in the desert. They come to lead a people, so on and so forth. So there's a lot of there's a lot of similarities there. But anyway, uh, again, it's not Christian. But the boy and his mother essentially belong to this spiritual group, and they have various powers. They're not like innate powers they're born with, but they're kind of mental powers that they learn along the way. But the one power we're going to discuss, which again, they're not born with, they learn it, that they call it the voice. Okay, And when they use the voice, they can command another person to do anything, and that person will obey. But they have to use the voice correctly. If the pitch is off, it won't work. And we see the boy learning to use the voice as the story unfolds. And we see various people using the voice in different circumstances, you know, as part of the story. But now Christians, interestingly enough, naturally, we have a similar power. Now, forget using the voice to control people. That would obviously be be manipulation in a form of witchcraft. However, we can use our voice to control many things. And we can use our voice to exercise our authority in the spiritual realm. And we can use our voice to operate with spiritual law. And if you use your voice correctly by the power of your faith, what you have spoken to in the natural and spiritual realms, it will obey. There will be no resistance and you will be operating in spiritual law. That's why I found this particular aspect of the Dune story so fascinating because it actually mirrors a very powerful and important uh, spiritual principle for how we are to operate in faith. The chief uh, difference being they use it against people. We would never do that. But consider for a moment how Jesus used his voice to the many devils possessing a man. He said, come out of this man, you impure spirit. And what happens? They they came out, right? Remember the storm that was tossing the disciples' boat every which way, and they were worried that they were going to drown. What did he? What did Jesus say? Quiet, be still. And immediately the, the rain stopped and the wind stopped and everything was calm. Remember to the man with the withered hand, right? He said, stretch out your hand. Right now, that wasn't that wasn't him manipulating a person or forcing that person to do anything. It was him speaking in faith to that man's body for him to be healed. What about when uh, he talks to Peter? Peter's out in his boat. Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. Jesus says, "Put out into the deep." And let down the nets for a catch. I think in the original Greek, it talks about a draw for a major load, a full net breaking boat sinking load of fish. You may have heard somebody put it like that, right? But that's what he says. He says, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. He was using his faith. He was speaking with power into the spiritual and natural realms. Just as one final example, remember what he said to the leper and to numerous other people when he said, be healed, right? To the leper, he said, I am willing, be clean, be healed, be filled, right? Receive your sight. Jesus constantly was using his voice to exercise authority and power in the spiritual realm that manifested in the natural realm. We never see... I don't know if I talked about this before, but look, when Jesus said, let down the nets for a catch 
And all those fish came and hit that net. There wasn't one fish that said, not today, Jesus. You know, I'm good. Let the others go. No, they all obeyed. Every single one. There's not a single demon in the Bible that said, not today, Jesus. I'm not going anywhere. Yes, some of the demons didn't obey some of the disciples and some of the various people from time to time. But it's because those people weren't operating in faith. They never said no to Jesus because Jesus was operating in perfect faith all the time. You see, you get the idea. Last week, we talked about how God's promises and God's blessings are available on demand. If you operate God's systems in faith, then God's promises and God's blessings are guaranteed to manifest in your life. That is an example of spiritual law. If you give in faith, you will receive. If you lay hands in faith on someone who's sick, they will recover. These are spiritual laws. If you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord, you are saved. Right? These are spiritual laws. They must be coupled with faith. You can't just say it. Right. It doesn't work that way. You have to you say it in faith. But as long as you operate these systems in faith, you're going to see what God promises in your life. Now, today we are talking fundamentally about the connection between your voice and faith and how your voice is a huge part of operating in spiritual power to see God's will come to pass. Jesus told us in Mark 16 that in his name we will cast out demons. We will, we cast out demons with our words. As we see Jesus and the disciples do a number of times. Like if you use your voice in faith to tell a demon to leave, it will leave. It's just that simple. It's spiritual law. In fact, the demon already knows the spiritual authority you have. Remember the encounters the demons had. Uh, they knew the spiritual authority that Jesus had. They knew the spiritual authority that Paul had. But the demons don't leave unless you make them. And when you tell that demon to leave, you tell it in faith. You have to be in faith. Remember when the disciples brought Jesus, the boy who was demon-possessed. Jesus didn't tell them that those kinds of demons don't come out without prayer and fasting. That wasn't what he was saying. Remember he said These kind, this kind doesn't come out but by prayer and fasting. People have wrongly interpreted that to mean that it's that particular kind of demon, right? Like you can say the name of Jesus until you're blue in the face, but if you haven't prayed and fasted enough, that demon's not going anywhere. That's not true. It, it, it's not about your prayer and fasting. It's the name of Jesus and the authority we have in Jesus. What Jesus was saying there was that this kind of unbelief, see, Jesus told them, because of your unbelief. It's unbelief that doesn't come out without prayer or fasting. And the Greek word for unbelief is apistia, or literally meaning without pistis. The Greek word for faith is pistis. So faith is pistis. Unbelief is apistia or no pistis. Remember, I've told you in some of our faith teachings that if you will begin to replace your English words, faith, believe, unbelief with pistis, apistia, and pisteo, pisteo being the word for believe, which literally means have pistis or have faith, it's really going to help your understanding in these areas. When you are praying or making statements for God, you need to have 
pistis. That's biblical faith. You need to be convinced, persuaded, assured that it worked. And in the natural realm, the manifestation will appear. If you aren't sure, if you aren't convinced, then maybe you have some pistis, but you also have apistia. You also have unbelief in your life. Pistia and apistia, faith and unbelief, are opposing forces that can cancel each other out. If you command the pain to leave your head in the name of Jesus, but you don't believe it's worked until the pain is gone, that is not faith. If your faith is determined by what you can see in the natural realm, right? Like, okay, I'll believe I'm healed when the doctor says I'm healed. I believe I'm healed when the blood work says I'm healed. I believe I'm healed when, uh, you know, the doctor says I'm healed or whatever. When I see it in the natural realm, that's when I believe that's not faith. And unfortunately, that is in fact unbelief. Faith has it in the unseen realm before it shows up in the seen realm. We walk by faith, not by sight. I've prayed for the pain in my head to go and by Jesus' stripes, I am healed and I know this pain is gone. That is the correct statement of faith even while your head still hurts. And yes, this is weird. This is crazy. This goes contrary to our natural thinking and the way we live in the natural realm. But this is a spiritual law. This is a spiritual principle. This is how it works to operate in biblical faith and see the supernatural. You believe, you receive, then you see. You start praying in tongues. You start worshiping. You start singing a song. You just go on about your day. You give it a few minutes. That pain will go. Faith comes first, then manifestation. I remember, now this is some years ago, uh, but I remember one time I had this crazy um, elbow pain. I think I had injured it exercising as I think what happened. Actually, that is what happened. But anyway, you know what? I prayed in Jesus' name. I commanded that pain to go and then, you know, it was bothering me, it was hurting me, but I just moved my mind away from it. Thank you, God. I know it's done. Went on about my business. Boom. That pain left, never came back. Uh, and, and you see, that's how it works, right? You pray, you believe you receive and just give it a little time. That pain goes. That thing goes. That thing gets healed. That's how the power of God flows. You command that demon to go. In Jesus' name. And when you're in faith, the demon must go. You have authority over demons because of your union with Christ. And you exercise that authority with your voice. Now, for some of you out there that are thinking, you know, Byron, I've never seen a demon. I've never encountered a demon. Um, This is kind of weird. What are you talking about? Hey, look, you know what? First of all, I totally get it. There are millions and millions of people out there. That, that have no encounter, no interactions with demon of any kind. I do think that, that if you look in certain places, you will find them. If you ever go out and participate in the homeless community, you'll, you're going to see a lot. I mean, I hate to say it, you're going to see a lot of demon possession. You're going to see people whose minds are messed up. It's the influence of a demon. And look, if you really step out in any kind of spiritual ministry, look, you're going to encounter various spirits in various places. You know, sometimes you may see spirits trying to come against you or your house. I had a particular situation in in uh, my life a couple of weeks ago. The Lord spoke to me very clearly. It was a demon. I mean, look, I'm not going to get into it. 
I would never have thought it was a demon. There's no, I mean, you would never, your mind would go there, but I got a clear word that it was in fact a demon. And I took authority. I cast that thing out. No problem since that time. That's just the way it works. But look, we're moving in to our authority and power in the kingdom of God. And a major part of that is your voice. And we see a number of areas where our voice carries spiritual authority and power. As I've said, we can use our voice over unclean spirits. We can use our voice for healing. We see Jesus do that a number of times. We can use our voice to take authority over things in the natural realm. As Jesus used his voice to control the weather. As Jesus used his voice to curse the fig tree. Yeah, we also see... Uh, Look, there was probably a few things going on there, but obviously Jesus had authority to turn water into wine. So authority over the natural order, organic things, absolutely. I certainly don't have any problem with you using your faith over mechanical things. I've done that a number of times uh, because in every mechanical thing, somewhere in there, there's some organic material. I'm not even saying that's required. Uh, I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, I remember one time, my uh this guy was working on my pool pump right and uh look i don't care what people think right he's there to fix my pool i need the pool pump uh, to work and it's so funny i just had another friend of mine telling me about their pool pump well i don't i don't think i chimed in told him this story but i got this guy at my house working on my pool pump and he can't he can't get the pieces apart and he's like oh you know i can't do the job you know the wrench isn't working blah 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 you know sometimes it feels like people just just want to make an excuse to say they can't do the job that's your cue let me just this is a great point right the next time someone says that there's some sort of goofball problem they're supposed to do a thing at your house that's your cue i remember one time i was getting some new appliances i'm getting off the pool pump story but maybe you like these stories so this guy's at my house and he's helping. I'm, I paid this guy to help me change out all my kitchen appliances, right? It's kind of a pain. Uh, you know, the oven, the fridge, all that stuff, right? So anyway, this guy, this guy was having a problem getting the microwave out. You know, you got to get the old microwave out and get the old one in. Well, I, you know, and he's like, oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. Well, give it here in Jesus name. Microwave, get out in Jesus name. Took a hold of that microwave, tore that sucker out of the wall, right? <laughs> then he couldn't, then he couldn't get the new one in, right? He had some problem with the new one. Well, give it here in Jesus name. I command you to get on that bracket. You know, microwave hangs on a wall mounted bracket, you know, depending on your kitchen. Anyway, we got that sucker on and buddy, that guy, that guy was like, wow, man, I had this other time. I was, I was hanging a light fixture in my mother-in-law's house and I like the guy. I kind of know the guy that had been hired to help my mother-in-law do a lot of work around the house. And this guy had given up, right? He's not, as far as I know, he's not a Christian, but he's, he's a nice guy. Anyway, I'd love to see him become a Christian. I right? prayed for him, tried to influence him positively, so on and so forth. I'm digressing. Anyway, we're putting this light fixture up. This guy's giving up. And I said, all right, you know what? I'm going to come help, right? So I said, to that, I said in the, you know, you got to get the screw on the mounting bracket that's in the ceiling. And I said, get on that screw in Jesus' name. You know, something like that, right? And sure enough, we got that thing up there. And this guy was just like, wow, <laughs> I can't believe that worked. It was really funny, too, because, you know, some other people was there. Anyway, but what are you going to do, right? 
you know, on that pool pump, this guy said he couldn't get these parts apart. And I said, all right, tell you what. And I said, in Jesus name, you pipes, you come apart right now. And then the guy's like, ah, oh, well, you know, I can do something else. And he put a torch on it, you know, torch, I don't know, it cools the metal or whatever. And he got them apart, right? So maybe it wasn't necessarily my power got those pipes apart, but my power triggered his brain a little bit. And my, you know, my power and my faith triggered his brain a little bit. We got the job done. So it doesn't always look the same, right? It doesn't always necessarily work the same way when that manifestation comes. But you start using your faith everywhere. Live by faith. Live by faith. And I'll tell you, I know I'm digressing, but look, here's a good way to know. If you have an AC in your house that's 20 years old, you're already blessed. You've already seen the favor of God. You've already done great. You want to use your faith? You feel like you should use your faith on that AC, 20-year-old AC system here in Florida? Wonderful. Praise God. Go for it with my blessing. But look, that's had a long life. Maybe it's time for a replacement. However, you have something in your house that's broke down way before it should have. You know, that new AC system's only two years old. Now it's wrong. Now something ain't right. That's wrong. That's demonic. That's the devourer. That's the, that's a prime example. So when something's breaking too early or you're having some problem you shouldn't have, look spiritual. Think faith. Use your faith on that situation, right? You shouldn't be dealing with that. Anyway, look, I said you can use your voice in a lot of different areas. And when you are speaking in faith, what you're speaking to must obey. And I tell you, you know what? This is me sidetracking a little bit. You start using your faith left and right. That's going to open you up to have good conversations with people, invite people to church, uh, you know, minister them, help them, pray for them, introduce them to Jesus is a great way to live. And you're going to start seeing the supernatural power of God show up all the time. But look. I want to reiterate this point because of the core of our message today. What you speak to in faith must obey your voice. That's how we see God operate with his voice. That's how we see Jesus operate during his earthly ministry. And that's how we should operate. What you speak to in faith must obey your voice. Yes, there are limitations that this doesn't work on other people. And there are certain things that are, you know, subject to the authority of others, right? You wouldn't necessarily want to go around, start taking authority over some, you know, bunch of stuff in other people's houses, right? That's kind of under their jurisdiction, their authority. So, you know, there are limitations here. They invite you to come over. They invite you, hey, come over to my house. Pray with me for my family. Pray with me for my, for my whatever, for my job. All right. Now they've given you some authority. They've invited you in. Go over there boldly in faith. Remember, there are different realms of authority in the world. But don't worry about all that for today. Let's keep it simple. In your life, in your family, in your house, in your sphere, what you speak to in faith is going to obey you. And as one of my favorite teachers, Pastor Greg Moore says, your words are law in the spirit realm. That's a powerful revelation. Your words are law in the spirit realm. The moment you speak something in faith, what you have spoken has just become a law in the spirit realm and whatever you have spoken to must obey. Now, let's talk about the interaction between your voice and faith. Remember, it's not just whatever you say that becomes a law in the spirit realm. 
and must be obeyed. It's not just because you use your voice. It's whatever you say in faith. Now, there are lots of people who are out there confessing, by Jesus stripes I'm healed, but they're just kind of saying it out of their minds because they heard a teaching somewhere and only only with a mental capacity. They aren't truly in pistis faith. They aren't truly speaking it in faith. For it to become a spiritual law, for your words to force obedience by the power of God, by the authority that you have in Jesus, Faith is required. Remember, the characters in Dune must use the voice with the correct pitch for it to work, right? If the pitch is off, it doesn't work. We similarly must use our faith when we're speaking this way, and faith has a pitch. And I'm going to briefly mention some personal testimonies and show you the intersection between my faith and my words producing manifestation and how the pitch produces faith. We use our words to activate and enforce spiritual law, and our words will also create the necessary faith that goes with those words for them to work. So your words – sorry, I got a call that I had to decline. Forgive me. Hopefully he doesn't call back. So your words will will – operate in the spiritual realm, they will activate the authority, they'll activate the power, but these words can also help you create the necessary faith. And so let me just give you some examples. You know, the first time I operated in this process that I can recall was back when my back was healed in a Rodney Howard Brown meeting. And I learned that the woman with the issue of blood said and kept on saying that if she touched the hem of Jesus' garment, she would be healed. So I said and kept on saying, when the man of God lays hands on me, I will be healed. I spoke this many times. And the repetition of those words began to produce faith. Now, look, it's not like I was saying something wacky or something that that just made up or my own idea, right? The Bible says when you lay hands on the sick, they will recover. So I built my faith up in the word of God that when that man of God lays hands on me, I will be healed. So I was building myself up on the word of God, on one of the promises of God, and my faith was growing. I became fully persuaded. I became convinced. And when the man of God laid hands on me, I was totally and miraculously healed. And I want to be clear. I'm not just talking about vain repetition. Jesus mentioned that. That does nothing. Simply saying a verse or words over and over again will do nothing for you. But truly meditating God's word, truly saying it in a union between your heart and your mind, truly speaking it with conviction, those things bring faith. For me, and this is just me, right? Sometimes, look, I want to use a verse. I want to pray a verse. I want to declare a verse, right? I want to ask God for something over a verse, right? But for me, I need to take a second, right? I need to take a deep breath. I need to focus my mind and my entire being on what I'm doing on this moment. I need to center myself and I need to find the right pitch, when I speak in this way, I'm speaking with the pitch of faith. Now listen to the difference because maybe you've been there, right? You feel a headache. I command that pain off me right now in Jesus' name. And then, and then so you do that, okay? By Jesus' stripes, I was healed, right? That's one way to say it. Here's how I start saying it. By Jesus' stripes, I was healed, right? I was healed. Now, look, I mean, it sounds like natural. It sounds like there's no difference, but you try it. 
See how you feel when you say it two different ways. By Jesus' stripes, I was healed. By Jesus' stripes, I was healed. And I'm sorry to yell into your microphone there, but you try it next time you're standing in faith. You'll see that authoritative voice, that pitch, that pitch that says the gates of hell will not prevail against me. That pitch that says uh, the, that um, what I bind on earth is bound in heaven. What I loose on earth is loose in heaven. What I'm endued with power from on high, that voice that carries with it the authority and power that you've been given by Jesus Christ, right? There's a pitch to that. That's the pitch of faith. You start speaking the word that way, right? You'll see your faith rise. And yes, I'm absolutely working to create and strengthen my faith in God's promises. The word of God starts as a written word for you. That's how we all get it, right? You study God's written word. Whatever your situation is, you start uh, studying that written word and you find a verse that covers your situation. This is Barry Bennett's book on hearing from God. Very powerful, very great revelation. I can't recommend it enough. Barry Bennett, healing, hearing from God. Look, you go to the Word of God and you find that verse. You find those verses that speak to your situation. You read them, you study them, and then you find one or two. Which ones are standing out to you? Which ones? Man, that's the one. Man, that one feels really good. You know, when my wife was going through her healing journey, there was a couple of verses that, man, these were our verses for this situation. Now, that's God bringing that one out of the written word to you. That's God saying, this is your promise. This is the promise I want you to build your faith on. This is the promise I want you to stand on. When that happens, and it will, and just do your best. Don't worry about it. It's not going to be an angel in your bedroom. Probably not. Not going to be something crazy. But you're going to read these verses, and one of them is going to hit you just right. One of them is going to hit your mind just right. I'm like, man, that is a good one. That's the one I want. That, that's, that's the Holy Spirit operating in your heart to say, that's mine. That's the one I want. That's what God has for me. And so what's happening now is it's moving from a logos to a rhema. Those are two different Greek words. They both mean word, but one of them's a written word. Now it becomes a living word. This is how the word of God moves from a logos to a rhema. And in the Greek, we say that a promise can move from a logos to a rhema when God is quickening that word to you. There's a quickening of a particular voice. God's saying, that's the one for you. And you just feel this in your heart and your mind. You might read 20 verses on healing. Anybody that's gone through a healing journey knows what I'm talking about. There's a lot of verses, but there's a couple of them. Those are yours. Those are the ones that you're standing on. And according to Romans 10, 17, Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, and that is a rhema. So you get that rhema in your mouth, and you start hearing it through your own mouth over and over and over, and your faith rises. My friend, this is how it works. By Jesus' stripes, I was healed. I was healed. I was healed. This word has moved from the page to my heart. I am becoming persuaded. I am becoming convinced. My head still hurts. I still feel the pain. I still feel the nausea. I don't want to get out of bed, but something is happening in me. I feel my faith rising. I'm starting to believe it. The faith is growing. Now I say it again and again. By Jesus stripes, I was healed. Pain, get out of my head in Jesus' name. I'm the healed and not the sick. God restores my health and heals my wounds. My health is restored. My wounds are healed. 
the Lord has taken sickness out of my midst, right? Whatever your verses are, I'm speaking to this thing in faith. My words are law in the spirit realm. And now I'm getting it. I'm getting it one declaration of faith at a time. I still may feel the pain, but I feel in my heart the answer. I feel in my heart the faith. And look, let me just say, where you know you have it, even will you still still feel the pain. So you still feel the pain, but now you feel the faith. And when you feel that faith, you'll feel yourself start to relax. Peace starts entering your heart. You stop worrying about the pain. You may still feel it, but now you know that you're healed. You know that that pain has a short time remaining in your body. You know that it's done. You feel joy. You instinctively start glorifying God, thanking God. You know you've got it. You can feel that you've grabbed a hold of it in the spirit realm, and you feel that peace come in. This is what it means to enter the rest of faith. Hebrews 4.3 For we which have believed or had faith do enter into rest. Remember, the word believe in the Greek literally means have faith. When you are truly in faith, you enter God's rest. You can feel it. You feel rest in your heart and your your mind. You feel peace in your soul. You know you've got it. You know your prayer has worked and you know manifestation is on the way. You are in faith at that point and the power of God for supernatural manifestation is flowing. If you're praying about something and you still feel the pressure, the fear, the anxiety, then you're not really in faith yet. Yeah, you you might be starting, you might be growing, you might be getting there, you might have a little faith, but but you're not there yet. You're not where you, you need to be and you're having that unbelief in your heart still pulling against your force of faith. But look, don't get down on yourself. Don't worry about it. Just get yourself into faith. Find those verses. Find your rhema word of God and go after it, right? Confess the word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You confess that rhema word of God, that verse that God's now quickened into your heart and into your mind. You Move yourself into faith. And look, it's not always easy and this doesn't come naturally and you may feel weird. You may look weird to your spouse or your kids or whatever. I've been, I've been there. Uh, but you just do it. This is the way it is. You want the supernatural? You got to operate supernaturally. You want the spiritual promises? You got to operate in the spiritual realm. Praise God. You meditate that verse that has grabbed your heart, that one that's resonant, resonated with you. And when you're doing that, that's the verse that's going to truly produce this miraculous faith in you. You start worshiping. You start praying in your prayer language, right? You, You get this atmosphere, this atmosphere of faith. You start building it in your house and you are moving into faith. And I told you about my ankle injury on Thanksgiving. And let me just keep it brief. I was carrying a heavy cooler, rolled my ankle, felt the pop. Pain was excruciating. I immediately knew that maybe I had seriously injured my ankle. I I prayed and I was doing pretty well for a a few hours, but about five hours later, couldn't walk. Swelling started, extreme pain, went home from Thanksgiving early. Not, Not doing my best that day, I'll admit. But look, I laid in bed and I was thinking about this work trip in New Jersey. I had a few days later and I was worried and I couldn't imagine going. 
But the Lord spoke to me because he's gracious and he's loving and he's not harsh on me. He says, look, are you going to let this thing take you down or are you going to do what you know to do? Why? Because God's promises aren't automatic. If I don't flip the switch, there's no power. If I don't open the faucet, there's no water. It, it was my choice. I could have just let, laid around for a week or whatever it would have taken for a thing to heal in the natural realm. He says, are you going to let this thing take you out? Are you going to do what you know to do? I mean, that was the clearest way I can describe it. Are you going to do what you know to do? And look, honestly, you know, it wasn't maybe the other things in my life or I wasn't really trying to prove a point. I was just worried about this work trip. So I decided to use my faith. And I began walking around the house confessing, by Jesus' stripes I was healed. I was healed. I was healed. I was healed. Ankle, be restored. Be healed in Jesus' name. And you know what? I started walking it out. I began doing chores and cleaning up. What would you be doing right now if you truly believed? I'd be cleaning this house. Uh, and look, my ankle hurt just as bad. But I kept saying the confession. And I kept saying my words, my verses, my rhema words, because I needed God's word to produce faith. I was hurting. I was upset. I didn't feel right, but the word of God produces faith. And so I used that word of God and faith began rising. And look, I cleaned the kitchen. I cleaned up the downstairs and then it was time to take the hamster cage upstairs. And look, I knew it was going to hurt, but I was moving in faith and I was going to keep going. By Jesus stripes, I was healed. When I got to that first stair, no, I didn't get the manifestation of the feeling, you know, but it still hurt. I heard every step along the, the staircase, but but I felt with that first stair, and you know, the best way I can describe it is like, wait a second, I'm starting to believe this. I can feel it. I've got this now. I can feel that on a heart level, I was moving into faith, and really, I was moving into rest. I, I could feel I was moving into rest. I'm moving into peace. So I kept going, I, pet, I kept pushing, but I knew I'd grabbed a hold of this thing by faith. Can't get into this right now, but, but this, this, this healing minister, <clears throat> Billy Burke, he says, you talk, you grab it like God grabs the wind. Sometimes you'll feel a moment. There's something available to you in the spirit realm. You grab it right then. You war over it in that moment. And it came by and I grabbed it by Jesus stripes. I was healed. I've got it now and I'm not letting go. So I kept the hamster got upstairs. I did the stuff upstairs, up and down the stairs a few different times, whatever. And look, and it still didn't, uh, it still hurt when I went to bed, but now I'm in faith. Now I'm in peace. When I went to bed last night, that night, I man, I got this. This is mine. And I woke up about three in the morning. Whoa, whoa, I'm doing much, much better. Got up in the morning. I believe that I'm healed. It's Christmas light day. That's what you do on the day after Thanksgiving at our house. Got them up, up and down the ladder, around the yard, all sorts of trips, all sorts of boxes. Terrible, right? But in Jesus' name, I'm healed. And man, I was doing great. I think I've said 85% by the end of the day. Next day, you know, Saturday morning, going for a jog, four miles out, back. By the time I'm back, totally and completely healed. Not, not a single dose of medicine, no doctor visit, miraculously healed. I needed God's word to produce faith in me. So I boldly and aggressively took the word of God and spoke it. My words became law in the spirit realm because I was operating in faith. And in Jesus name, my faith produced. You must speak your faith. Faith has a pitch. 
For me, the pitch of faith is loud and bold and authoritative. And yes, I often speak my faith at a very high volume. And no, I don't believe Jesus did that. But Jesus didn't have the unbelief problems that I do, you know, or that I'm working on getting rid of. Jesus had perfect faith in God's word. Jesus was probably a a genius. You know, Jesus operated in perfect faith all the time without the slightest bit of unbelief. Jesus spent significant time praying and fasting to keep all the unbelief out of him. But but I've got work to do on my faith, you know, and there's unbelief that I've got to root out. I need to pray more, need to fast more, need to do different things, need to study the word more. I need to speak that word boldly. I need to get my mind focused and forbid other thoughts from coming in. I need to speak that word strongly and powerfully and, and basically let that word produce that faith. But after some time, my faith rises, I can feel the faith, and I'm grabbing a hold of that promise, and I enter rest. You know, some people refer to it as pray it through. You pray until you get that note of victory, that hint of joy. That's when you enter that rest, that peace. Now you're in faith, and when you're in faith, the power of God is flowing. In 2009, my wife had a miscarriage. We sought the Lord, and he told us, uh, certain things to do and she we did and she became pregnant so fast the doctors thought it was impossible you can't get pregnant again that quick they literally told us that it was leftover fetal tissue from the first pregnancy but in fact it was my daughter Eden and a few months into this second pregnancy my wife called me and she's bleeding again but this time I knew what to do we didn't say anything negative and we agreed to meet at the doctor's office I said nothing to anyone at work I just got in the car And when I got in the car, I started yelling God's word. The verse we had over our new baby. Great is the peace of my baby. That's Isaiah 54, 13. That's a good one for anybody with child issues. Great is the peace of my baby. Great is the peace of my baby. Now look, and this is how it was for me. And you know, you want to turn the volume down, but I'm telling you what I did from West Chase to Wesley Chapel on the way up to the, to the women's care center up in Wesley Chapel. Great is the peace of my baby. Great is the peace of my baby. Devil, get away from my baby right now. In Jesus' name, I take authority over you and command you away from my wife and my child right now. In Jesus' name, great is the peace of my baby. Great is the peace of my baby. And look, I entered into faith on that car ride. And by the time we got to the doctor's office, the bleeding had stopped. The baby was fine. And that's my daughter Eden today. And, and you know, there's more to it. There's more testimony of how God protected her. I won't get on into it all. But we moved into faith and our faith produced. <coughs> Excuse me. Sometime after that, the Lord was speaking to me about using my faith. And he said to me something like this. He said, remember that day in the car when you were praying for Eden, when Shannon was bleeding, when you use your faith, you, you need to take it there. He was telling me that my faith produced that day and that bold authoritative voice that I used when confessing his word was the right way to see my faith produced. That was the pitch of faith. That was the power voice where my words became law in the spirit realm. Look, I wish I could tell you that from that day to this, I've used my voice and faith correctly many times. (coughs) But unfortunately, I can't tell you that. But I've got it now. When I'm ready to use my faith, especially in an area when I need to use my God-given authority and speak declarations in the name of Jesus, I'm going to remember to use my voice correctly and speak in the pitch of faith. I'm going to confess the word boldly and aggressively until I feel faith start to rise inside me. I'm going to keep doing it until I know that I'm in faith. 
And I know that I'm in faith. They which have believed you enter rest. I know that I'm in faith when I feel that peace, that spiritual peace, that rest, when the fear and anxiety are replaced with a confidence that I know that I have what I've prayed for. That's when I know I'm in faith and the power of God is flowing for my manifestation. A good friend of mine recently used these ideas to get significant relief from back pain. He's had three back surgeries and they didn't produce. But now his faith is producing and I see him move around better than ever. He said he felt a little weird yelling at that pain to go, walking around his house, yelling and commanding his body to be healed. But none of that matters. God's will is what matters. Your healing is what matters. Making that demon leave is what matters. And now he has his own testimony of how the power of God works when you take the authority in Jesus' name, when you exercise the power in Jesus' name to see God's will come to pass. So look, if we're together, if I pray for you, if I'm loud, if I yell, I'm sorry if it startles you, but I'm not going to waste your time. I'm going to make sure at least one of us is in true pistis faith. And I'm going to bring myself into the place of pistis faith for, for your healing or your deliverance or whatever you want me to pray about with you. All right. I'm going to take a moment before I speak for my prayers, whether it's for me, my family, for you or anybody else. And I'm going to make sure my pitch is right, that I'm in faith, that I've centered myself and I've brought a union between my spirit, soul and body, right? Because there's an intersection here between spirit, your spirit, which is born again, perfect and entitled to the promises, your mind, which now knows the word of God, which is coming in line with your spirit, which is operating in the uh, will of God and the word of God that you've learned in your mind and your flesh, where your spirit, your mind and your flesh being your mouth are going to come into agreement and exercise the authority of Jesus that you have because of your union with Christ. And you're going to exercise the power of God that you receive when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We have authority from Jesus and the kingdom of God to see God's will manifested in the earth. And your words spoken in faith are laws in the spirit realm. When you What you speak to must obey. The manifestation will come. These principles we are discussing discussing are actually the laws of the universe. What you ask for in faith, you will receive. What you speak in faith will come to pass. These are the legal systems, and they will work for anyone who works them. They are already established in the universe. We just need to learn how to operate with them. The entire faith system is, in fact, a legal system that ensures God's people can receive everything God wants them to have. The entire faith system is also a legal system that empowers God's people to bring God's will into manifestation in the earth. My friends, as I told you at the beginning of our time today, all of us who are Christians and baptized in the Holy Spirit are united with Christ. We have his authority to use in the earth and we are endued with the miracle working power of God to use on behalf of the kingdom of God. It's time we start using this truth. It's time we start operating the this way. It's time we start changing the world for Jesus. It's time we start using our faith to see God's will come to pass. And I hope and pray you continue this journey with me. May God bless you. I love you. And I'll talk to you again soon.